Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 31. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I heard this last week and thought, you know, being an audio program, we need to do a part of the show that occasionally highlights neat little nuggets of noise in the news. It's time for Name That Soundbite. This is kind of a contest for one person. You know, for your own personal enrichment. Unless you've been living in a cave, and that's no offense to our Cro-Magnon listeners out there, you're no doubt familiar with this current event. But how fast can you guess the glorious soundbite that was produced as a result of this event? I'll start off giving clues, vague at first and then gradually more specific. If you're listening with someone else, challenge that fool. Remember, the goal is to guess the soundbite, not the story behind it. Okay, here goes. Clue number one, freedom of speech. Clue number two, U.S. Senator. Clue number three, University of Florida. Clue number four, douchebag. Clue number five, underpaid, disgruntled rent-a-cops. Clue number six, Andrew Meyer. And your sound bite is... Don't tase me, bro! Don't tase me! This came from an incident that sparked worldwide uproar on Monday. The arrest and tasering, or tasing? I don't know of Andrew Meyer, an annoying University of Florida student with bad posture who obnoxiously harangued Senator John Kerry with questions in an open forum. I don't really want to get into the ethics of this story. It is disturbing to watch the police pin this kid down, and there are those who say you should be allowed to speak your mind no matter how annoying you are. Then there are others that say, yeah, yeah, I know, but if you've seen the video, you really kind of want to tase that guy too. I just love that soundbite, that's all. Don't tase me, bro. Brother, don't, just don't tase me. I think it speaks so much about humanity, really. The hope and resilience buried deep inside all of us, that no matter how bad things get, no matter who's dragging you off and electrocuting you, we're all really just brothers and sisters deep down, aren't we? If you come across any great sound bites for Name That Soundbite, send them in to us as mp3s to drabblecast at yahoo.com. Today's story is called Office Consultation by Jeffrey Scott Sims. Jeffrey is a degreed anthropologist with a penchant for weird literature. He's recently sold work to Langley's Painting, Night Flight, The Man Who Sought Blug, The Man in the Globe, and The Chamber of Horrors, and we're happy to have his piece featured on Drabblecast this week. Without further ado, Office Consultation by Jeffrey Scott Sims. Good morning, Mr. Smith, is it? John Smith. I'm glad to see you. From my records, I gather it's been a while since your last, uh, checkup. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm not, not very well, I'm afraid, Dr. Codwaller. That's why I asked for this appointment, you see. I- I'm pleased that you could see me on such short notice. Nah, trouble, I assure you. Happy to oblige. Now, what seems to be your problem? Well, it's... It's difficult to explain. To put it in a nutshell, I'm increasingly unable to come to grips with being. 
Indeed. Mr. Smith. John. John, why don't you sit up on the table? I'll check you out. Let me see. Your eyes look fine. Your ears, yes, looking good. Open up, if you will. Ah. Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's nothing there that isn't supposed to be. Bear with me a moment. Your pulse seems normal. Could you unbutton your shirt? All right. Your heart seems steady. Being, you say. Being what? It's, it's the general principle of being which troubles me, Doctor. Being me, or being anything. The more I think of it, the less I can fathom it, and it scares me. <laughs> At times, we all have such concerns. I wouldn't let it bother me if I were you. But being is the central fact of my life. It is important. I suppose so. Dr. Codwaller, I'm concerned that this is developing into a serious life issue for me, and therefore a medical issue. You see, I read this book on probabilities, and it suddenly occurred to me just how improbable I am. How unlikely is the fact of my existence? Here is this boundless, eternal universe with all these stars and planets and trees and things, none of which have anything to do with me, and yet here I am, the product of a chaotic, meaningless genetic heritage, the terminus of an old age, ongoing game of cosmic chance. I try to put all the factors together, you know, in order to understand my being, to make sense of the fact, but I simply just can't do it. As a matter of probability... I shouldn't exist. The odds against it are astronomical. And yet, John, you are here. But am I, Doctor? Think about it. I'm an organic creature which eats other organic substances, breathes oxygen, requires liquid water, which presupposes an acceptable temperature range. I need light for seeing, eyes to collect the light, a sun to provide it, which, which can't be too close or too far away, and a thousand other details which are just so, and which must be just so, if I am to exist, much less survive to talk about it. Not very likely, wouldn't you say, Doctor? What you're arguing um, applies to all of us, John, to everything. I don't have time to discuss everybody else's problems. Doctor, I have attempted to calculate the possibilities of my existence. I'm not very good at this, but I've come up with some rough estimates. <laughs> the, the numbers, they aren't too impressive. I, <laughs> I guess they wouldn't be, John. If you approach the problem that way, still the unusual does occur, doesn't it? Not to me. My life is excruciatingly dull and uneventful. I've got a bland, milk-toast personality. There isn't much of me in the best of times. No, doctor, something is wrong. I, I worked out the betting odds. D do you gamble? Whenever I get the opportunity. I don't, and I certainly would never accept a bet like this. The odds against me run past the trillions, the quadrillions, into numbers I don't even know to exist. If the numbers don't exist, what chance have I got? Well, John, as, as long as you got your health. I don't know what to do. I don't know that I have anything, or that I am anything. Okay, let's stick with the gambling analogy for a moment. At a casino, a man may play against the odds for a time, and even be fabulously successful at it. He may experience a winning streak. H however, in the end, the laws of chance always catch up with him. 
If he doesn't get up and walk away from the table in time, he loses. He, he may lose everything. Do you follow me, doctor? Uh, of course, John. In life, though, we all eventually lose. Yeah, you mean die. I'm not talking about that. That's comparable to leaving the table. Forget that. I'm talking about losing the game because the odds against you pile up too high. Sooner or later, chance must be balanced. When that point is reached, what will happen to me? Nothing will happen. But it must, you see, if every fiber of my being is composed of energy wavelengths, as the best scientists assure us they are, and the actuality of those wavelengths are determined by quantum probabilities, surely you know that... Uh, John, I'll take your word for it. Then, Doctor, when the odds begin to run too heavily against me, I'll start to go. And that's what's happening to me now. On what basis do you deduce that? That's the proper question, Doctor. Ever since I first began reading up on the problem, the signs of my coming non-existence have been multiplying. The pattern commenced with little things, not so different from past experience. People started to notice me even less than usual. They paid even less attention to what I said, or, or, or acted for a second as if they didn't know me. Then, th then it got worse. How so? My landlady showed my apartment to a young couple to whom she intended to let it. She forgot I was still there. A mistake, John. Okay, at work. I'm employed at a small real estate office. A new man was assigned my desk. They, they forgot it was mine. They placed him there by accident, John. So you say, doctor. Listen to this. Only yesterday the electricity was cut off in my apartment. I called the utility company. They didn't know what I was talking about. Oh, the curses of bureaucracy. And my phone is disconnected. It isn't listed in the phone book. I never had an unlisted number. It isn't that. My, my connection to the world, my role within it, it's disappearing. John, there must be an alternative explanation. I know the explanation. I need help, and fast, doctor. Just this morning, I went to work, like I always do. I got there early. Others began to arrive. They didn't know me. They, they asked why I was there. My desk was gone. The configuration of desks had changed. There was no space in that office for my desk. As far as they knew, there never had been. I, I left there and I called you. I came straight over. All right, John. I, I grant that it sounds like a, a troubling situation. We, we must do something. <laughs> I am so happy to hear that. Next door is a colleague of mine, an eminent man, a, a specialist. I'm going to ask him to join us for a little talk. Well, what sort of specialist? Well, um, a mental specialist, John. No, Dr. Codwaller, I'm not insane. These things are really happening to me. I'm about to cease. No, John, I'm not referring to insanity on your part. Y your part, John. John, John, that's right, John Smith. Catchy name. John, he is an authority on various weighty concerns. A talk with him would do you good. He may be able to help us work through your syndrome. I don't see how. Okay, but I'll talk to him. If you think it's a, a good thing, you're going to fetch him now? Right now. I have one small favor to ask. 
May I come with you? That, that won't be necessary. I'm terrified of being left alone, Doctor. I, I can feel my time running out, but I keep thinking it won't happen as long as I have people around. I need to speak with him privately. Don't worry, though. His office is just on the other side of this wall. Look, I'm stepping out of the hall now. Give me thirty seconds. I'll, I'll bring him back with me. Please hurry. Well, Roger, here's the fellow I wanted you to meet. Mr... Mr... Where did he go? Too bad, Bob. Looks like your patient ducked out on you. No. How could he have passed us? There's no other way out of this room. We would have seen him. Ah, well, what did he want, anyways? What did who want? Well, wasn't there someone... No, I, I suppose not. Bob, you asked me to your office for some reason. So I did. What was on my mind? Something important, I thought. I... Oh, yes, I know. I was thinking, since I have no appointments this hour and, and you don't seem busy, we should go do lunch. Hmm. Sushi? Let's do. Well, that was our story. There's a philosophical model for you. I think, therefore I ain't. Don't worry about why or how you exist. That's too dangerous. You know, Halo 3 just came out. Go play that instead. Feedback from episode 27, Crazy, by Patricia Russo. This was a different sort of piece for us, in that it was lighter and more fantastical. Some people were confused, like Mr. Tweedy, who said, Huh? What just happened? Are there cliff notes on this one? And others, like Nancy M., really liked it, saying... I was completely pulled into this story. Yes, it was fiction. Yes, it was fantasy. But it verged very closely on the echo chamber of mythos. Oh, I think I need cliff notes for that comment. Thanks for the comments on my song, too. Daddy Drinks Because You Cry. Also posted at the end of the episode as a plug for my CD, Just Finished Up. I'm glad some of you got a kick out of it. You can hear more of the songs and get the CD if you like this stuff at www.normsherman.com. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can share it with your friends, but don't change it, sell it, or tase people with it, bro. Our staff is made up of co-editors Luke Coddington, Kendall Marchman, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you to... What was I supposed to remind you of? A smile practice face on the side. A smile practice face on the side. And in walks a man with cold, clammy hands, wire taped around as the bell. Don't take-